You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. Demotet has been around for several years now, but uh, we can definitely say that in the last 12 to 18 months, it's uh, really become one of the most prolific threat groups out there. That's Shimon Oren. He's VP of Research and Deep Learning at Deep Instinct. The research we're discussing today is titled Why Emotet's Latest Wave is Harder to Catch Than Ever Before. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. So what led to you all taking on this research here? What, what sparked your interest that you, uh, that you started this effort? Well, what sparked our interest is, 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 is again, first and foremost, the fact that, you know, Emotet is such a, um, you know, constitutes such a significant part of the current threat landscape in over a year now. The fact that it's um, one of the malware families and malware campaigns we see most uh, trying to uh, uh, attack the customers which we protect, uh, and in general, just a, you know, a very very active campaign group. But other than that, what really interests uh, interests us in Emotet from a pure professional standpoint is the fact that it's a very very successful, uh, so to speak, or for lack of a better word, it's a very very successful malware campaign. It's very evasive. It's uh, um, Quite sophisticated, both from a technical standpoint, or I'd say even more so from a you know kind of a modus operandi standpoint, the way they operate as a group and the way they go about you know carrying on their their operations. Well, let's walk through your research together here. Um, 
And you all began with uh, some data samples, which you uh, you grouped into uh, different uh, different categories. Yeah, yes, I, I mean th- that's pretty much what we set out with. What um, what we've seen in, in the I'd say in the second half of, of of the summer of this year is a new and and quite expansive attack wave. In general, at this point, I think it's worth mentioning that Imotet works in waves. Uh, mm. And that's part of this that interesting modus operandi that I that I just mentioned. Unlike other malware campaigns that have a certain period, it could be rather short. In some cases, if it's more successful, it can be a bit longer. But usually they have a defined and, and, and rather specific period in time in which they're active. Imotet has been quite different in that it comes and goes in waves. There are periods of very, very high uh, activity where literally hundreds of thousands of variants are created and hundreds of thousands of uh, uh, targets are, are, are targeted and, and unfortunately in some cases infected. And then that's followed by you know, varying periods, but usually longer periods than the periods of activity, but l- longer periods of you know, just going completely under the radar and without, almost without any kind of new targets being attacked or, or new variants or very, very few variants in any case being created. So what happened in the last summer is that we've seen you know, one of these waves come out. And, and again, usually in each wave, there's something new and different in, uh, from, again, technically speaking, in the malware itself. So we started to, you know, look into it because it's always interesting to know and, and to understand what's new with Emotet. And that's what led us to trying to, uh, uh, to try and, and, and again, cluster these, uh, uh, these new malware variants that we've seen into different groups and trying to understand how and what exactly and in what way it differentiates from uh, from previous attack waves. Well, let's go through it together. I mean, can you share the, the story with us? What, what did you find in this latest wave from Emotet? So we found something very, very uh, interesting. And one of our most interesting findings was the fact that Emotet uh, actually uses and embeds into the malware sample that uh, that are you know propagated as as part of this uh, as part of this campaign a lot of benign code and benign or just simply and and what I mean in benign code is and more specifically I'd say than that is code segments or just different binary sequences that are found in you know in operating system files coming from Microsoft or from other you know very very uh, popular or uh, or prolific benign software. And it does that uh, specifically in an attempt to to evade AI-based solutions that are more susceptible to that kind of attack. Where if you you know inundate the malware samples with a lot of benign content, and especially benign content that you know AI solutions or in general endpoint solutions for that matter would very very much want to refrain from triggering on. Uh, mm. Because they would deem as false positives, so having that kind of content be embedded in the malware sample really helps at evading uh, uh, security solutions. In a lot of cases, that was uh, uh, what happened, and we could see across multiple samples specific code segments taken from different Microsoft or, or or Windows in general DLL, and you know injected or embedded somehow into the malware samples. So. 
that was uh, uh, one thing. And, and the difference between the different clusters that we found is that we found different clusters of that attack wave to just contain different types or different kinds or different content of actual benign code, whereas the malicious activity itself, the malicious code and the malicious business logic were similar. Hmm. So the, the notion here, just for my own clarity, is that, say, a, an AI solution would be looking at the code and doing sort of spot checks to compare what it was finding against, uh, I don't know, you know, a database of known good code, for example, and in doing, doing this spot check, this, uh, this avalanche of benign code would likely to throw it off the trail. Pretty much, yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah. Well, take me through the, then the, the actual encrypted payload, the, the, uh, the part of the, the malware that is uh, specifically of interest here. Yeah, yeah. so, so th- that's another part, by the way, of, of, of how and why Emodet is that successful. Because other than having most of the exposed content of the malware sample actually be benign code or, again, um, functions taken from DLL or resources taken from Microsoft DLLs, etc., uh, the malicious business logic is encrypted, at least uh, as far as the when you look at the file statically, nothing that's intrinsically malicious uh, pops out because it's all encrypted. So again, if you look at it statically, what you have is a bunch of what would seem to almost everybody pretty much benign uh, or even very, very benign content. And other than that, the rest would just be uh, encrypted. What what we did, and uh, you know, as part of our research, is understanding exactly where and how is that encrypted payload kept within the file. What is the flow that happens in runtime that uh, decrypts it, and then you know runs a certain kind of shell code that then, in itself, decrypts another layer which is where the actual malicious business logic resides. So you have multiple stages of, of decryption and deobfuscation that take place uh, until you know, something bad really starts to happen. But again, I, I mean, in runtime, it happens pretty fast. I mean, it's not, uh, it's not that it right. takes eternity, but uh, you know, when you come and look at it and try to you know, reverse engineer it and then debug it, etc., it takes quite some time to, uh, uh, to figure out what's going on. And can you walk us through? I mean, how did you reverse engineer the malicious part of the code here? How did you how did you get into that in, encrypted data? So uh, again, it involved a lot of you know a lot of work with tools like IDA and other analysis tools, running it on VMs and and looking at with different types of you know memory forensic uh, uh, tools, trying to understand exactly what happens in memory as we continuously. Know, debug and run it and decompile it. Uh, it. It took quite some effort, especially again because there are several stages that uh, that take place until the full malicious business logic is discovered. So, and, and and the main crux of it here is understanding where exactly is the uh, decryption key found, and how uh, how is it you know where exactly it appears in memory during round time. Uh, where it's kept, and then how it's used to decrypt the content. That was the crux of what we needed to understand in order to uh, to fully analyze and and then, of course, go on, going on to share, to explain and share with the community what, what's uh, what's exactly going on there. And then the, the final payload itself. I mean, there's there's quite a bit going on here, starting with some some code obfuscation. 
Yeah, I mean, even once you get to the uh, uh, malicious business logic itself, it's not that, you know, life's be- life becomes uh, very, very easy. Because again, the people <laughs> behind Emotel are very, very aware. And other than anti, what I'd call evasion techniques, which is, again, you know, the benign code and, and, and the, the, the encryption that, you know, when you look at the file statically, you don't really see the malware itself. Uh, they use a lot of other techniques that are more geared toward you know anti-reversing anti-debugging and making the researcher's life harder even once they've already you know understood that this is malware and they're analyzing it so yeah it's not that it becomes easy it's 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 pretty uh it's, it's pretty good code and there are a lot of additional internal obfuscations and 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 you know different kind of fuzzing i'd say methods that 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 lie in there that makes uh, again makes us la- makes our lives as researchers harder but uh, you know we're we're, we're we're happily we're used to it so or fortunately <laughs> we're used to it and sometimes right, it just right. uh, it, it doesn't necessarily uh, you know make things impossible it does make them you know harder and slower um, but we're persistent uh, just as they are and, and so the ultimate, um, you know, functionality of Emotet, of, of this payload, is, is what? What is it setting out to do here? Okay, so that, that's actually an, uh, an additional very, very interesting piece. So if we look at the way Emotet has evolved over the course of, 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 the courses of its activity, so it, it, it set out and it started as, you know, your, again, your run-of-the-mill or your day-to-day financial malware doing things like, Know, credential harvesting, um, especially from you know financial or banking related accounts and user data, acted as as again a you know spyware trying to just you know collect data, collect files, look at your emails, look at your addresses, things that are very very important in order to you know to keep the attack chain going to to gain more data on more targets. But then as it became that successful. And uh, as successful and as evasive as it is, and, and really malware, if, if you look at Emotet in general, it's one of the malware campaigns with the highest infection rates. Then what it become is it's now Emotet is more of a platform for other second stage malware to come after it. And now the thing is, even if that second stage malware in and of itself is not that successful, is not that evasive, doesn't have that high of an infection rate, once the machine has already been compromised and infected with Emotet, and Emotet, you know, does its thing on that machine, you know, lowers security uh, uh, settings, completely removes different kind of security software, escalates privileges, etc., it's pretty easy to then, you know, land whatever type of malware that we want, onto that compromised device and then do, you know, pretty much as we wish. That's one of the reasons why we've seen so much collaboration happening between Emotet and ransomware campaigns, especially Rayuk, which we also mentioned somewhere in, in our research blogs. Rayuk has become a very, very, uh, you know, a very, very common second stage uh, after an Emotet infection, whereas Emotet comes in, does everything that it normally does, taking out data, um, compromising the machine itself, can move laterally, steal uh, you know, backing information, etc., or steal the data itself. And then there's, there also comes the ransomware attack where data that remains on the machine is encrypted and then you know, a ransom payment is demanded in order to, uh, 
to decrypt the content. So, and these are very, very devastating and disruptive attacks uh, uh, when they happen in enterprises or, or you know, actual organizations. And, uh, uh, but again, the success of Emotet and, 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 and the infection rate that we're seeing is what, you know, made it this, uh, you know, pretty much this platform for other malware, even if in some cases that malware in itself is no longer as successful and as infectious as it used to be. Yeah, it's like uh, adding insult to injury almost, you know, that, yes, that absolutely, second wave. Yes, absolutely, Yeah. I, I suppose, too, I mean, this speaks to the uh, the sophistication but also patience of the developers of Emotet, that, um, you know, they're willing to, part of their process is standing down for a little while to improve their tools, to improve their capabilities. Absolutely, and I think that in the long run, it's worth their while in terms of, you know, the ultimate, you know, financial success and, 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 and again, and ultimately money that they're making out of it. Uh, I think the way they're operating, as, as you said, with those uh, periods of, you know, going under uh, in the long run is, is what makes them and what makes their operation more lucrative and more profitable. Uh, there, they have that, you know, that understanding that, you know, wasting all your ammunition uh, and being exposed and transparent for a long period of time will actually make you less evasive, less infectious, and will allow the industry, the cybersecurity industry, more time uh, to, you know, to learn, to, uh, to adapt to your operations and to your your specific you know techniques and 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 procedures that understanding that you know one needs to go under for a little while in order to come back better and stronger is what makes them as successful and again over time uh it's one thing to have you know a very very successful specific attack you know use that for as long as it may work but then you know, pretty much go uh, go detected by everybody and become you know your day to day known malware that has very very uh, a very very low success rate. That reorganization over long periods of times is really what makes again Emotet what it is today, and uh, as successful as as it is today. And and where do we stand in terms of people's ability to defend themselves against this? What are the what are the most effective ways? People and organizations that want to, uh, you know, keep themselves themselves safe from emotet. Uh, the, 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 there are several things that they can do. First of all, they need to understand and, uh, you know, tell. I'd say even, you know, speak the truth to themselves about their current security posture, what kind of solutions and protections they have in place. Test those against new emotet waves or recent emotet waves and samples as they become available uh, and, and, and see whether what they have today will uh, defend them, at what stage of the attack chain it will defend them. You know, it's better to be able to stop and thwart an emotet attack at the dropper stage, at the, you know, at the spare phishing or malicious uh, document attachment stage rather than rely on the actual payload being prevented or something being prevented during runtime. In some cases, not in all cases, but in some cases that would be too late. So, so, so first and foremost, my, my answer would be 
understand what is your current protection level against threats as sophisticated as Emotet. And with regards to the protection you have in place, where in the attack chain it's exactly found and how early it is. Because the earlier it is, the value, as far as the security value you'd gain from it, is, uh, is, is, is much higher. Other than that, I think it's very, very important for, uh, uh, for organizations to be very well informed of the actual, uh, you know, the TTPs, the, the, the techniques, um, you know, the, the, the way the malware itself operates. They can do that by, you know, getting themselves familiarized with the research content that's out there about Emotet and its behavior so that in the case that they are infected, uh, or, you know, they have a certain fear of being infected, they would know what exactly it is they need to look for, what are the assets that need to be, you know, either disabled or protected first, uh, uh, basically to, to make sure they have all the knowledge and, and, and the right tool set in order to deal with, uh, uh, unfortunately, a, a, a potential emotet attack. So those are the two main pieces of advice I would give to organizations. And, 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 you know, there's a lot of research content and analysis out there about Emotet throughout its period of, of activity. But, you know, by, you know, research blog and research pieces like we've put out there, but also that a lot of other of our colleagues and competitors as well in the community have, have put out there. There's, um, you know, there's ample amounts of materials available out there to get familiar with. Our thanks to Shimon Oren from Deep Instinct for joining us. The research is titled Why Emotet's Latest Wave is Harder to Catch Than Ever Before. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. The CyberWire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now.